A reading from 2 Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David. That is my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, so that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Jesus Christ with eternal glory. The saying is sure. If we have died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of this and warn them before God that they are to avoid wrangling over words, which does no good but only ruins those who are listening. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. Shun youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with stupid and senseless controversies, You know they just breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kindly to everyone, an apt teacher, patient, correcting opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant that they will repent and come to know the truth, and that they may escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. The word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we've been on this joining Jesus journey for about six months. Uh, For about six months, you have been intentionally having conversations with your neighbors, your co workers, uh, family, and uh, friends. How's it going? Yeah, I've been hearing some stories uh, from you of uh, you know surprises and joys as you've gotten to know uh, your neighbors and coworkers uh, and uh, and even your friends better uh, through these conversations that you've been having. What I haven't heard from anybody is uh, something that I suspect is going on is that you have been avoiding some people or that as you've been getting to know your neighbors, you found out they're kind of a difficult person. <laughs> I haven't heard many people, any people actually, we, you know, get back to me and say, Pastor, I don't like this because I don't like my neighbors. <laughs> but it may happen. <laughs> See, we deal with difficult people all the time. Uh, and, uh, uh, and they live all around us. In fact, we hear in our uh, passage from Second Timothy today, the Apostle Paul talking to a young pastor, Timothy, about difficult people <laughs> in his congregation. You heard that right. In the church, <laughs> there are difficult people. 
Now, I know you're not surprised by that. Uh, Here, as well as in our neighborhoods and in our families, we have difficult people, you know? And, uh, you know, um, if you can't think of anybody who is a difficult person, it could be you. (laughs) And if you can think of a whole lot of people who are difficult, it is you. (laughs) Difficult people. Our lives, our relationships, we, we have difficult people that we have to work with. Challenging personalities. How do we live alongside them? What is our response to be when we run up against people who are just difficult to get along with? St. Paul doesn't use that word of difficult people, but he describes them in our reading from 2 Timothy. He says uh, that there are those who wrangle over words. He says, avoid that, if you would. (laughs) Avoid getting caught up in arguments about words. The semantics of things. Bogged down and wrangling over word usage. He says doing this is no good. It does no good to get caught up in those kind of conversations, and it only ruins those who are listening. Getting bogged down and uh, into the nitty-gritty, going head-to-head, locking horns with people over those kind of things isn't going to help anybody. You're not going to convince the other person that they're wrong. You're just going to get your blood pressure up and walk away frustrated and angry. And no one is going to have any progress made in that. So avoid wrangling over words. He continues, though. He says, have nothing to do with stupid and senseless controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Oh, how our news cycles and our conversations with our neighbors are filled with stupid and senseless controversies, right? I mean, our news cycles literally are made up and and financed by trying to make you aware of the latest stupid and senseless controversy, right? Just trying to get you offended. Because if they can get you offended, they can have your eyes glued there. And, you know, whether that news comes through the radio or print or on the TV screen or on the web, that's how they get their bucks. That's how they make their living is counting on you to be caught up, drawn in to the latest, really, when it comes down to it, stupid and senseless controversy. And then you get talking to your neighbors about it. And then you, you know, with the people you agree with, get your blood pressure all worked up because, huh, it's just us, we're the only ones who have it right, and all those people who are wrong. And then there's, if you have the guts to do it, engage with the people who you don't agree with, and then you're just back at that 
place that does no good but ruins those who are listening, tears down relationships. Any of this sound familiar? I'm seeing some nodding heads out there. Oh, my, have we experienced this in these past couple years on steroids. It's nothing new. It's been around since the time of the early church, even longer, as long as there have been people. This is what we do. But St. Paul says, don't live like that. These stupid and senseless controversies, these conspiracy theories that we find ourselves drawn into, down these rabbit holes that don't help us to live life in any wiser or more prudent way, but just get us worked up in worry and fear and confusion. And if you're trying to have a conversation, a a rational conversation with somebody who is wrapped up and caught up in these conspiracies, it's only going to bear bad fruit for you. Because as you go in, you wade into the conversation and pretty soon uh, you're up to your neck and you're treading water and then you're bobbing. Because you get confused. Which way is up? Which way is down? Because these conspiracy theories, they have you know, just enough truth in them to snag you. And then they have so much that is untrue that You get lost in it. St. Paul says, don't get into those conversations. Avoid it. He says, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kindly to everyone. Now there it says the Lord's servant, and he's specifically talking to a young pastor, a servant in the church called to teach, and so he says an apt teacher. But these things apply to all of us who are trying to have conversations with the people in our lives around us, right? Not to be quarrelsome. That's good advice for all of us. Would that we would hear it, take it to heart, right? To be kind as he continues to be patient, Now, it is the responsibility of those who are called to teach to correct those who are teaching wrongly, who oppose us. And so as a pastor, as a teacher, I'm called to correct people, as was Timothy, with gentleness. Does no good to correct people in an angry way. Uh, And as you as who are called to teach in other capacities as parents or or in other teaching vocations, you know that if you're going to correct somebody, you're going to make it a lot farther if you do it with gentleness than if you're harsh. That's what he's saying here. Now, it's not our job to go around and correct everybody. Sometimes we get that. We think we're supposed to be the teacher of the whole school, the whole block, uh, everybody in the household, Uh, You know, kids, we think, you know, that we need to correct our parents and, you know, we get things all mixed up in this. But uh, we are called sometimes, uh, we feel called uh, to correct people when they're wrong. And we need discernment in this. When, When do I correct my neighbor when they start going on about some latest conspiracy theory? Uh, 
When is it appropriate for me to say, oh, I don't know, to try to correct them gently? Well, in all of these things, we need to exercise discernment. How do we do that? We pray. We pray that God would lead us in these things. We pray that God would give us patience, uh, that he would help us uh, when the when the call waiting, list their phone number to know, hmm, is it better for me to just let this go to voicemail <laughs> uh, and respond when I'm not, oh, you know, all worked up? Uh, to know when it's time to engage our neighbor and uh, when it's time to maybe refrain from engaging. You know, in all of these things, we need God's guidance. And we trust that God is at work in us and in those relationships. As St. Paul has said, uh, he is imprisoned, quite literally chained up. But he says that the word of God is not chained. While he is unable to go out into the world uh, to continue spreading the gospel, he says, nevertheless, the word of God is out there. God is doing his work. And that's what we've been confessing throughout these months of our joining Jesus journey. We've been confessing that God is active and at work in the world. Uh, It's not up to us to change people's hearts. In fact, you can't. You can't change your neighbor's mind. That is way outside the scope of your abilities. Even if you have the knowledge of the truth and they don't, you can't force it upon them. You can't make them give up their foolishness. But that doesn't mean they're without hope. He says, God may perhaps grant that they will repent and come to know the truth and that they may escape from the snare of the devil having been held captive by him to do his will. As St. Paul describes the world, he says there are those who are children and servants of God and everyone else. They are children and servants of the devil. It's a very black and white situation. No shades of gray here. And he says uh, in those circumstances, we entrust that person to God's care. Yes, they may be a very difficult person. They may be somebody that you just can't hardly get along with. And so you just, the best you can do is smile and grit your teeth (laughs) as you get through. And that's you exercising patience. But you pray for them. You show them kindness. And you trust and pray that God is doing his work in their life. He may use you. He may use you and your patient, quiet, gentle witness to bring them to truth. He may use somebody else, but he will certainly use your prayers. He hears them. And in his divine providence, he will work that which is pleasing in his sight. 
St. Paul starts off this whole section with this reminder. He says, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David. That is my gospel. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember his witness, our Lord's witness. When he was confronted by those who disagreed with him, by those who sought to kill him, how did he respond? In anger? With defiance? In quarrelsome ways? No. He is the example of gentleness, of patience, of kindness. We are recipients of his gentleness, patience, and kindness. We are recipients of his forgiveness as he was nailed to the cross by those who sought to do him harm, what was his response? Was he railing at them from the cross? Spitting out words of anger as they did their worst to him? No. He prayed, Father, forgive them. We are recipients of that extraordinary mercy. May our lives also be examples of that mercy to those around us, of that gentleness and that kindness. But St. Paul doesn't say simply remember Jesus Christ. He says remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Jesus isn't just a good example of some figure in history. You could look to lots of people who have exemplified gentleness and kindness and patience. Maybe not to the level of Jesus in all circumstances, but, you know, who did those things. But Jesus isn't just a historical figure to be remembered. We are to remember also that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He has conquered sin, death, and the devil, that he is alive, and that he is at work in this world. Yes, even in the lives of those difficult people in your household and in your neighborhood and in your place of work. Yes, in their lives too. He's working even through you, through your patient gentle, kind witness, and perhaps even through your words of truth as you point to him, to draw them not into stupid and senseless controversies, but to draw them to himself. That there together we may be joined in unity in the joy and love of Jesus. Amen.